This is the Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. I have a recommendation for everyone who works in an office for tomorrow. When you go into the office tomorrow, I recommend getting everyone's attention and saying, everyone, everyone, listen up. Who is for Israel? Who is for Palestine? Separate them out on the right and left and then pass out hats with the flag for whichever side they chose so they can wear the hat and everybody knows who to fight with and dislike all day long. Obviously, don't do that. It's a terrible idea. And this is a way too sensitive situation to, to be joking about right now. It's okay not to have a take about a situation like this immediately. That's perfectly okay. It's okay to let the fog of war settle and to get more, a more concrete version of the, the facts instead of reacting instantly off of a wave or the wave of information that hits us on social media. We know that when wars break out with our modern form of communication, that sometimes we get factual information right off the bat very quickly, but we also get a deluge of non-factual information that ends up not being true. It's perfectly okay to apply, I don't know, the 72-hour rule, maybe, maybe even longer than that to find out what isn't true and what is. And even then, it's perfectly okay not to take a public position on a subject like this, especially if you don't feel comfortable telling people or if you feel like you don't know enough about the region or uh, the history of it. I'll admit that I don't know enough about the history of it. I, I think that there's a lot of people who do. I'm not one of the people who do. I've never been there. I don't know anybody who lives over in that part of the world. And so I admittedly do not have a complex and nuanced understanding of the conflict there. I know the basics. I know that the Palestinians view the uh, Israel as occupiers based on, I think it was 1948 when they, Israel got the land after World War II. And I know that has been a source of conflict, obviously. And I know that a lot of the power there lies in the hands of Israel from my understanding of it. But again, I don't have a deep enough knowledge of that background to speak on it. What I have a knowledge of is propaganda, and that is what I can analyze, and that is what I am going to attempt to do here. And when it comes to choosing sides before even doing that, I'm going to choose the side that I always choose, which is the same side that I chose or have chosen when it comes to the Russia-Ukraine war, which is with the, I choose the side of the innocent people who are thrust into a war that they did not choose, that was forced upon them in both Russia and in Ukraine. Th- those are the people that I choose with. I don't stand with the Russian leaders. I don't stand with the Ukrainian leaders. I stand with the people of Russia and the people of Ukraine who had no say in the matter. And just like I stand with the innocent civilians in those countries— I stand with the innocent civilians in Israel who were subjected to the horrors of Hamas, as they pronounce it. And I stand with the innocent civilians of Gaza 
who will be or already are being killed or having their lives destroyed by the government of Israel's response. Okay, I, I stand with the people, not, not those in power who are making the conflict happen. Okay, I, I, what happened to innocent Israeli citizens is horrid, it's awful, and the people responsible need to be caught and the hostages freed. But I do not accept that it is okay to wipe out all of uh, the Palestinian people as a response to that. That is not an acceptable response. Just wiping out a, a, a whole, whole a, all of the people. There are some people advocating for this on Twitter. Like this is any way acceptable. Like there's any moral high ground and just killing all of them. There's not. Everyone in Gaza is not the same as those who committed the acts of terrorism against the innocent Israeli civilians. They're not the same as Hamas, just like the citizens of Israel are not the same as the Israeli government. I'm certainly not one and the same as Joe Biden, and I think many of you would say the same, and I wouldn't want to be held responsible for the actions of his administration. And with governments around the world, the, their history, like having such a, a consistent history of lying and propagandizing and using violence and terrorism to coax their people into supporting and fighting in wars, uh, uh, not for what they were told the war was for, but instead for the pursuit of power by those who are already in power. I don't think anyone would want to be held responsible for the actions of their government. I didn't even want to talk about this. You can't even investigate and ask questions about this. And people aren't even free to, disco to discover their opinion and how they feel about it without someone trying to force their opinion down your throat on social media or scream at you if you don't have the correct opinion according to them or if you don't know the full history of it, if you're naive to it, which a lot of us are. But that's no reason to scream at people. That, that is what the governments, not just ours, but the, the governments around the world want you to do. They don't want you to allow people to discover truth and come to a more reasonable conclusion based on your understanding of it. Nobody likes being told what they have to believe and that they're awful and evil otherwise. Okay? What Hamas did, Hamas, was horrific. There is no doubting that, okay? But the citizens of Gaza who played no part and what happened, do not deserve to suffer, just like the innocent civilians in Israel did not deserve what happened to them. The people behind what Hamas did, the terrorist acts, are the ones to go after. And I understand it's war. I, I get that. I get it. And I guess it's not so easy, but I'm not going to be conditioned into accepting uh, uh, civilian casualties as a necessary cost of war on any side. I, I, I don't care how idealistic that sounds. I do not care. Once we start accepting, uh, well, just, there's going to be a bunch of civilians die. That's just the cost of war and, and the cost of response. Once we start accepting civilians are just going to die, we need to be okay with it. We are going to accept more and more of that, and we are going to become the monsters that we condemn. So I don't care if that's an idealistic view of war. That's one that I'm sticking with. 
when it comes to the bigger picture of this, and, and there is a bigger picture of this, I, th- this whole thing is awful. I hate it. I, I hate this story so bad. I hate war. I tweeted, I hate war today, and somebody replied with, oh, that's brave, brave comment. Yeah, okay. You know, I, I wasn't trying to be brave. You know, I also retweeted the uh, radio announcer's call of the Georgia Tech game last week because I thought he got really excited and I thought it was fun. I wasn't trying to be brave with that tweet either. Not, not every tweet is trying to demonstrate bravery. It was, I was feeling this way because I was consumed with all of this news. And I'm like, man, I hate this story more than anything else. The bigger picture. This could very well be what the future books point to as what triggered World War III, in my opinion. The Ukraine-Russia war, I said this right after it started, was the first big war of the Great Reset. This looks like it's going to be the second big war of the Great Reset. I know there's conflicts going on all the time around the world. And it looks like this will be solidified, or this will solidify what will be dubbed the new axis of evil that we are fighting in the Third World War, which is Russia, China, and Iran, with uh, Palestine on, on that side as well. And I know that Iran, the initial reports are that Iran was also surprised by the attack, but it doesn't matter. They're already asking the Republicans, well, what do you think about the findings that Iran had nothing to do with it? And they're like, oh, BS, they're already blowing it off. Okay, this is where this is, the the world is being thrown into World War III with this right here. I've been having crazy dreams too the past few nights about something going down here. And I think it's almost definitely due to this being the only thing that's been in the news the past few days, like they just forgot about everything else and probably due to me falling asleep to the news playing, which is probably why I had such vivid dreams about it. But man, this is not good what's going on right now. It's not good at all. It's terrible, mostly for the people who are directly involved. Not mostly. It's definitely the most terrible for the people who are, are involved. It's awful for them. I mean, it's awful. It, it, it's, it's, I hate it. Like, I just hate, I hate war so bad. I hate it. I saw somebody on Twitter say that it, it's not brave. War's not brave. Peace is brave. That, that's, I, I, I stand with that statement right there. Everybody's standing with things these days. That's a statement that I can stand with. But we are already seeing the impact that this is having on our politics over here. The Ukraine war is what got the left bloodthirsty for war. And the attack on Israel has the right bloodthirsty for war. And many on the right who were resisting it, like resisting the Ukraine aid, wanting to not dive into another foreign war, are now all about it, okay? It would not surprise me if we get legislation, and very soon that ties the Ukraine aid to uh, aid to Israel, ties them together in the same bill, making it impossible to say yes to one and no to the other. Right after the whole speaker outing thing over the very Ukraine aid, issue. We'll see that probably within the next week if we haven't seen it already. Back to the attack on Israel real quick. The story right now is that Hamas was attempting to trigger an overreaction by Israel, causing Israel to respond to the attack by killing innocent civilians in that response, which would in turn make more people over in Gaza who might not like Israel, but might not have really liked Hamas either. It might make them not care and might make them willing to, to support a, a, a war and easier to escalate. It could easier to just take this thing into full-out war over there. And also, at the same time, it could hurt Israel's uh, public opinion uh, on the world stage by them also engaging 
being brought down to the level of killing civilians also. With that said, there are many who are suspicious of, so you have that angle of it. And you also have the angle of the suspicion about the surprise attack narrative. I'm one of the people who's suspicious about that. And I, I was suspicious about 9-11 in the same way. Now, just because you're suspicious of something doesn't mean that you definitely believe that somebody on the inside knew that it was going to happen and allowed it to happen. It just means that it looks suspicious based on the facts that are readily available and that it should be investigated. Maybe it was a surprise attack. Maybe it absolutely was, and evidence can show that. But when the country who was surprised is touted as being on the cutting edge of surveillance, that they'd like be alerted if a cat came near its wall or something like that, I think that's what a former soldier said, then you want to know how they got so surprised like that, how they got ambushed. Either their surveillance isn't as world-class as everyone claims it is, or there's another explanation to that. And look, investigating how this happened doesn't by any means absolve uh, Hamas uh, of what they did. What they did was awful, okay? It was awful. But don't you want to know? Don't you want to know if someone uh, lended them a hand on the other side? I mean, we all certainly wanted to know after 9-11. Many of us did anyway. And just to give you an idea of the type of surveillance, why people question it, because it's not a crazy position to question it, okay? And this is why. The Israeli military, well, I should, I should start here. This is from a November 2021 article, and it is from the Washington Post. And so anything with the Washington Post, you want to question very, very critically. So I'm just going to tell you what, what it says. So this program the existence of it is acknowledged by the Israeli military in an online brochure. And the details of it, though, were given to the Washington Post by what it says, quote, recent Israeli soldiers, which is a little weird thing to say. But here's what the article says. The Israeli military has apparently uh, has been conducting a surveillance program in the past few years to monitor Palestinians, a program that has integrated facial recognition with a growing network of cameras and smartphones and CCTV cameras that they already had set up. The surveillance initiative rolled out over the past two years involves in part a smartphone technology called Blue Wolf that captures photos of Palestinians' faces and matches them to a database of images so extensive that one former soldier described it as the Army's secret Facebook of Palestinians. The phone app flashes in different colors to alert soldiers if a person is to be detained, arrested, or left alone. In addition to Blue Wolf, the Israeli military has installed face-scanning cameras in the uh, city of Hebron, to help soldiers at checkpoints identify Palestinians even before they present their ID cards. A wider network of closed-circuit television cameras dubbed the Hebron Smart City provides a real-time monitoring of the city's population, and one former soldier said it can be can sometimes see into private homes. It, and look, are, are there ways around stuff like that? Of course there is. You can still surprise people because these technologies are not foolproof. People seem, tend to think they are, but I don't think that they are. And people can be very savvy when they know that they're being watched. They can go underground, which I'm sure they did. They can use disguises. It's not out of the question that they were surprised by this. But it also, there's enough information that's known that calls for an investigation. And you're not a crazy conspiracy theorist for asking that. And you're also not siding with one side or the other. You can accuse both sides of, of wrongdoing if it is found that someone knew and allowed it to happen. Okay. 
Finally, I'm going to end on this. This is, I'm going to play the whole thing just so you hear it. Questions are being raised, as we just discussed, about how the renowned Israeli intelligence services were caught so off guard. We're joined now by Efrat Fenningson, who's an Israeli independent journalist and joins us now. Efrat, so good to see you. I'm so sorry about the circumstances under which we are talking. So tell us about Saturday morning. You wake up. It was a public holiday, I believe, in Israel. What happened? Right. So... Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday morning, 6 a.m. with sunrise, sirens are going off, rockets start to go off uh, around the center of Israel, which is not usual at all. Mm. And then we wake up to the news of what's happening around the Gaza envelope villages. We hear of multiple breaches of the border fence, which is very strange, and I'll talk about that in a minute. And then we start hearing about people that are locked inside their shelters in the Gaza envelope villages for hours and hours without any help coming. And this is very unusual. The army is not doing anything. The police is not there. There are no defense enforcement powers on the ground to help the people who are stuck. Uh, we're starting to hear about the music festival, 5,000 people in this music festival. The sightings from there are horrifying. Yan, young adults are being ambushed and slaughtered. We're starting to see um, a lot of videos coming out and people are sharing uh, footage from the ground, which is very gory. Um, Many of them were captured, tortured. We know of some young women that were raped even and later taken hostage. Many of these young adults are still missing and their families are going crazy. Uh, people were stuck in their shelters. Terrorists, the Hamas terrorists, were burning down houses in order to get those people to come out and then capture them. So, uh, and we know that the uh, forces did not arrive sometimes eight to nine hours later, and in some cases, even 12 to 24 hours later. So people were really blocked in their houses, which is crazy. Now, I just want to say, I, I'm always on the side of the citizens, of the humans, the side of truth and facts. And it's it's very unpleasant to me to ask all these questions, but I served in the intelligence forces 25 years ago as a soldier, and I know the security drills, I know the layers of defense that we have, uh, we're, I know the spreading of the forces that we're supposed to have on the ground, and nothing worked according to what I know, to what everyone that serves in the army knows, and it's most of the people in Israel, so you really don't have to be an expert on that. You just have to serve in the army to see how things work. And this was 25 years ago. Today, we have the most high-tech army in the world. We have all the top-notch technology. We have the, the most advanced weaponary systems. We have sensors all around this gate. If a cat moves by this gate, Forces are being alerted in order to go there and check what happened. I just want to say that yesterday, a Hamas soldier, a terrorist that was caught by the Israeli forces, he was quoted saying in his investigation, we prepared for over a year. That's mm. what he said. The demonstrations in Israel encouraged us. I don't know how true that is. It's mm. been five hours till Israel started shooting at us. We were set up with a thousand soldiers. We created 15 breaches in the border fence. We were surprised and shocked that the IDF is not waiting for us. And this is crazy. 
that the IDF was, was not prepared for this. And we also know that Hamas has released video footage about three weeks ago of their exact plan and, on how they're going to penetrate and attack Israel. Mm-hmm. And we need to ask ourselves, how come how this, this able to huge surprise attack is happening, even bigger than the Yom Kippur War, I would say. If what she says is true, that is, that is crazy. And I hate asking these questions too especially when people jump down your throat just for asking the type of questions that seemed normal to ask after 9-11, which does not absolve anybody of any blame for what happened, okay? It just opens the door to maybe there's a little bit more going on than meets the eye. And I I hope and I pray that they are able to save the people who've been taken hostage. I mean, this whole thing is just... It's terrible at every way you look at it. And I want to be clear again. I'm on the side of the innocent civilians on either side of this conflict or any other because it is those who seek to rule them. I should say this. I stand with humanity, not those who seek to use the good people of the world to conquer it. And that's where I'm going to end the show. We'll talk to you guys next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.